for me, the first step in resilience is, is the R word, is responsibility. Mm. You cannot be a resilient person if you don't take responsibility. If you keep blaming everybody else, how can you be resilient? How yeah. can you kind of like, how can you man up? Yeah. If you keep sticking your head in the sand all the time, how yeah. can you kind of face what's coming at you? How can you deal with a challenging situation if you don't go, you know what? It's just another situation. Yeah. I'll deal with it. You know, I've been fired before, I've been ill before, I've faced challenges before, it's just another challenge. We'll deal with it. Hello everyone, welcome, welcome. I have the absolute pleasure today of speaking to Paul Wilson. Paul is the go-to mindset coach for ambitious business owners. Paul has dedicated the last 29 years to helping people either as the emergency response manager at the Channel Tunnel and the mindset maestro for business owners. Paul has turned his lifelong interest in the mind and human behavior into his new career, helping people remove unwanted mental baggage and step out of their own way, which sounds probably highly necessary for many, many business owners. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure and absolutely right. Yeah, I think every problem that we have kind of stems from in here in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what are those kind of top pieces of baggage that you see people experience when they're running a business? Oh God, how much time have we got? I mean, let's <laughs> well, go for example. Hour, Paul, so you can, you can go. <laughs> My favorite, I call it um, the devil's triangle. So you've got, mm -hmm. imagine a triangle all scary with a picture of the devil behind, you know, and lots of flames okay. and stuff. And then yeah. down one side, you've got procrastination. Mm. Down the other side, you've got perfectionism. And got the, across the bottom, you've got paralysis. A better word for paralysis is overwhelm. But then my mm. devil's triangle wouldn't be that scary. It would say pop. So I go yes. for PPP. It's much more appropriate. And for me, inside that triangle, you've got things like fear of failure, fear of success, uh, fear of being criticized, fear of sticking your head above the parapet, not wanting to go live, feeling that you're not worthy, that you don't deserve it. And all of this is our symptoms of imposter syndrome. This is feeling like a fake, this feeling that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing because you don't have enough knowledge, experience, expertise, and all this kind of stuff. And to me, this is a disconnect. It's a disconnect between your knowledge, your experience, your skills, your expertise, and the thing that you want to do. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, those that devil's triangle is the wedge that separates those two things. Mm. What? Well, so why do you think that we have that in the first place? Is it just human nature? What is the reason that we have all these kind of thoughts messing around in our head and and essentially messing up what we believe that we want to achieve? That's a really good question. And I think the first thing we need to get clear is our minds, our brains have one single function. And that is to ensure our survival so it's that alive, we can procreate yeah. the species and help our kids procreate the species so that we go on and on and on and on and on. Mm. And the biggest challenge that we have is that our society has advanced far quicker than we have as, as people because we still have the fight flight or fear response and our brains still believe that there are saber-toothed tigers and mammoths and you know tribes of warring warriors around every corner now for most of that that's not true but mm -hmm. 
a really bad meeting with your boss that terrifies you, your brain goes, oh, should I fight? Should I freeze? Or should I run away? And we yes. do one of those three things. I mean, we've all had that meeting with a boss where we've, we've really gone to loggerheads with them. We've, we've, we've kind of fought for our corner. Or we've gone, oh, I'm really sorry, boss. I didn't yeah. mean it. And we kind of, you know, kind of run away. Or we're frozen, you know, like a rabbit in the headlights kind of thing. And yeah. our brain goes, oh, my God, that was so awful. That was so terrible. I don't want that to happen again because that put us risk. So five years hence, you want to go to for a promotion or start a business. And your brain goes, we, we can't really do that. Because remember five years ago when we had that big thing? That was really, really scary. That was really frightening. We don't want that to happen again. So we're going to do things to make sure that we don't go and do that scary thing again yeah so absolutely. people talk about this kind of like little devil this inner voice this nagging thing this very negative but mm. i don't see it as negative i just think it's misplaced help mm. that, that's the biggest issue we have and that's the thing that we don't recognize that our brain is trying to protect us but what we see what a lot of people see oh my god i'm, I'm stopping myself i'm getting in my own way and blah 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 mm. yeah well in fact it's the brain trying to protect us from something that happened in the past and most of us do have that, especially in modern times. I'm sure that if we went backwards a few hundred, a few thousand years, it would be less of an issue because we yeah. were much more into survival mode. So we still had fight, fight, or freeze, but it was highwaymen and disease mm -hmm. and famine and that kind of thing, much more practical, real-world issues, whereas today our real-world issues are kind of almost fictitious in a sense. Yes, we did have that horrible meeting, but just because mm. we had a horrible meeting back then doesn't mean to say we're going to have a horrible scenario in the future. Yeah, it's almost that kind of what people say, you know, that hashtag first world problems stuff, isn't it? That actually we're not running away from saber-toothed tigers anymore, but in our brains, in our minds, we've kind of almost created that situation when we think about going live or we think about putting a proposal in to somebody yeah let me give you an example which really kind of sets this in concrete back mm -hmm. in about 2001 2002 i was working health and safety and my boss came along to me one day and said paul here's a stack of information turn it into a presentation that you're going to give to your peers your directors and your, your colleagues in two weeks time mm -hmm. now at the time i was a bit of an idiot yeah i was quite a lot of an idiot to be honest with you <laughs> And so I, I did no preparation. I just looked at this. Oh, shit, that's too much work. I'm just not going to be bothered. And so I kind of skim read it. And I made, for those of you that do presentations on a regular basis, this is going to make you cringe. I did every single thing wrong in the book when it comes to presentations. I did a PowerPoint presentation with about a million slides. Each slide had war and peace written on it. You know, and I didn't know my material. I didn't practice, didn't do anything. So the day comes along. There's about 30 people crammed into a room built for 12. Mm. And I do this, you know, classic turn my back oh, to yeah. the audience, pointing at the, the slides, reading from the slides. Now, when I get nervous, I perspire really, really heavily. And I was wearing this pale green oh, uh, short no. sleeve shirt. Yeah. <laughs> With literally within about five minutes, it was black. <laughs> You, you would have guessed that I would have come, just walked out of the shower. My hair was dripping. My face was dripping sweat. This thing was black, and I was shaking. I was mumbling. I was stumbling my words. It was awful. And the worst thing was the, the people in the audience were such lovely people that they kind of pretended that this wasn't happening. Oh, After about 10 minutes, my boss came up and said, Paul, I'll take over. 
Awe, thank God for that. And listen, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I need to say this. I literally ran out of that room. I ran into the gents' bathroom and I cried. Oh, bless. I bawled my eyes out. I felt about this big. Mm. It was the worst thing that I, you know, I felt so tiny, so stupid, so idiotic, so crap, and all the rest of it. Yeah. And I just felt, and I said, I could remember myself saying, I never, ever, ever want to put myself through that again. Mm. And my mind was going, Jesus Christ, that was a saber tooth tiger event. And it built all this baggage. And over the next six or seven years, I didn't go for promotions. I didn't go for other jobs. I didn't stand up in meetings. Mm. I didn't put myself forward in any way, shape, or form. It hampered my career a hundredfold because wow. of that memory of that scenario, that thing that happened. Mm. And it's only because one guy that I was working with, we had this major event about eight years later, and I was heavily involved in it, and I got heavily involved in the kind of the debrief and all that kind of stuff. And somebody came up to me and said, Paul, we've got this big meeting coming up uh, in town in a couple of weeks' time. We want you to represent your company and present your side of the event. And I went, no, thank you, can't make it. I didn't even know when it was. <laughs> I didn't even know when it was. I just said, no, if thank you, can't make it. for the next however long it needs to be, so I don't Yeah, have yeah, to but this it. is what I've been doing for the since this thing had happened. I just wouldn't put myself for I avoided every possible chance of me having to stand up and be in front of people. Anyway, long story short... This guy goes to my boss and says, we really want Paul to represent your company. My boss said, Paul, you've got to do it. And so now I'm in the fight, flight, or freeze mode. My brain goes, what do we do? Well, we can't run away because we're told we've got to do it. We can't freeze because guess what happened last time? So we'll fight. And this, when I say fight, I'm not talking about putting my fists up and fighting the guy. I'm talking about figuring out what I need to do to make this work. So I went on a course about how to do presentations I learned about PowerPoint, about you don't, you don't put words on slides, you know, your few slides. So I had about 20 slides, a many old photographs with just a few keywords here and there. I practiced in the mirror. At the, at the time, I was married with kids, and so my kids thought I'd gone bonkers because every time they came home, I was studying in front of a mirror, kind of talking to myself <laughs> and all the rest of it. The bizarre thing is this. The day comes, and I'm on after after lunch. And for those who have done presentations like me, mm. you know that the slot after lunch is the dead person slot. Everybody's snoozing. Yeah. They've overdone the carbs. It's like, uh, yeah. you know. And so you've got to try and G him up. So they call my name. I walk to the stage. They mic me up. And then something really bizarre happens. As soon as my foot hits the stage, something goes on in my brain, and it's like, Bang! And I get on there and I just do that. And I'm loving it. I'm really enjoying the presentation. I'm really getting involved with it because I know the stuff inside out and back to front. There's no fear. There's no apprehension. I'm really, really enjoying it. I get a round of applause, about three, 400 people. They're all kind of senior people. I get lots of questions asked. There's lots of banter backwards and forwards. And off the back of that, I got invited to three or four other similar meetings to kind of repeat what I just talked about. And I fell in love with presenting and being on stage and doing Amazing. what we're doing now and without that event that took place in 2000 whenever it was you know eight years after 2001 i wouldn't be sitting here now because i'd still be avoiding putting myself out there and that's a really oh. really good example of a bad event creating baggage the mind of creating baggage around it so that we don't have to repeat it yeah, it cost absolutely. me dearly until a situation mm -hmm. arose where I had to fight, flight, or freeze again. 
when we're in a situation where we feel exactly the things that you felt in that first presentation and after that first presentation, I guess, I guess the question is, how do we avoid that feeling in the first place? But when we're then put in a situation that these, these thoughts come up and these worries come up and these panics come up, is it a case of you know, the, the preparation part of it and kind of knuckling down on that like you did? Or are there some things that we can do so that actually we can get over these issues that we have of overwhelm, procrastination, perfectionism, fear of failure, fear of all those things that kind of come into play for us? Okay. I, I, yeah, the, there are several things we can do. First of all, think, fight, flight, or freeze. If you absolutely have to do this thing, then put yourself into fight mode. Mm. And when I talk about fight mode, think about, you know, you're going up against, you're a boxer or a mm -hmm. mixed martial artist, an MMA fighter. And you've got to go in the ring against somebody who's at the top of their game. Are you going to sit there for six months and eat pizza and drink loads of beer and watch your TV for six months? Or are you going to get your backside in the gym, work out, get some experts in, eat right, look after mm -hmm. yourself and, you know, watch videos of this person's other previous fights. You're going to do everything you can so that when you're getting that ring, you are as well prepared as you possibly can be to have that particular fight. This mm -hmm. is what we need to do. So, for example, if you're really, really scared of doing a presentation and your boss has said, Annette, you've got to do this presentation next Wednesday at three o'clock, then you do what you need to do. You learn about how to do presentations. You learn the material inside out and back to front. You stand up mm. in the front of a mirror until you're sick of the sight of yourself, yeah? And you practice doing the presentation. You do what you can. Mm. That's if it's coming up next Wednesday. If there are things that are bugging you, what we, the, you know, the, you want to start, say you want to start a side hustle. You've got a job, you're in a nine to five. And you want to start a side hustle, but this little voice keeps going, no, 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 Paul, you're no good, you're crap, you can never do anything, blah, blah, blah. You, what we have to do is to figure out where that comes from. Yeah. Figure out where that comes from and go back through your experiences and kind of work out what the incident was that started this. Mm. And then what you do is you let go of all that baggage. You just say to yourself something really simple like, you know what? Yeah, I was younger at the time. I made a lot of mistakes. Like I said, yeah, I was, I was, a, I was an idiot. I was a lazy person. I didn't pay attention. That mm. was me then. <laughs> Accept that and then just let it go. Tell yourself, yeah. look, okay, I made mistakes. I screwed up. I messed up. You know, nobody's perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. I made a mistake. This time, I'm not going to make mistakes. I'm going to do the best I can for every single thing that I do. And yeah, just, and I'm going to do that by being prepared. Yeah, absolutely, by being prepared. But also by kind of looking for these kind of scenarios in your past and forgiving yourself for them. You yeah. know, if you walked into a relationship and the person was a real narcissist and you've done that two or three times, hopefully now you've learned your mistakes about, you know, picking the wrong kind of person. Just accept it. Okay, yeah, I screwed up. I picked the wrong guy three times in a row. My bad. I've learned now, I'm going to move forward, and I know what the warning signs are, I know what the red flags are, I'm not going to go down that road again, no matter how charming, nice, gorgeous, whatever. Learn yeah. from your mistakes, accept it, and move on.
And I think there's definitely a kind of personal responsibility piece here, isn't there, in doing that? So understanding that, yes, some things were my problems, my issues, the things that I have brought in here because I am not perfect, even though that's quite hard for me to say, <laughs> but of course, <laughs> none of us are. And it's understanding that actually that is the situation and therefore we need to take personal responsibility for what's happened in the past to us and understand that that doesn't define our future. Yeah, there's something really important in what you said there, Annette. We must take responsibility for every single decision we have ever made. I'll yeah. say that again. We must take responsibility for every single decision we've ever made. We cannot blame the government. Well, you can, you can blame whoever you like. You can blame the government. You can blame the environment. You can blame the economy. You can blame your ex-husband, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-whatever. Yeah? You can blame whoever you'd like. But when it comes down to it, there's only one person that's got you to where you are today. And that's the person you see in the mirror. And if you don't like where you are, it accepts it. Look, okay, I've screwed my life up up until now. I'm not in a good place. And things aren't the where I want them to be. So put your hand up and go, yeah, that's me. Now, don't feel upset or guilty or pissed off or any other. You know, you can do for a minute. Have a pity party for a couple of minutes. And then say, right, okay, line in the sand, to use a cliche. This is it. No more. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to change things. I am going to accept responsibility. I'm going to make better decisions. And once you do that, your life will get a whole lot better, whether that's personal life or business life. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that's, and that's the good news, isn't it? That actually, yeah, it might be horrendous in the past, but the good news is from today, from right now, from right this minute, you have the ability to change the future. Absolutely. Now, you still may make bad decisions, mm -hmm. but at least you understand that it was a bad decision. And hopefully what you'll do is you'll start taking time to kind of take a step back before you make the next decision mm. and have a bit more thought before we go, yes, I'll do that, or yes, they're wonderful. We'll have a bit more time to kind of reflect and analyze and review before we step into the next decision. Because mm. the, the challenge that a lot of us face is that we, we make life-changing decisions on the spur of a moment. Let me ask you a question, Annette. Do you own your own house? Yes. Right. Before you bought that house, before you signed on the dotted line, mm -hmm. how much time do you think you spend actually looking at the house before you decide to put an offer in? Oh, for us, it was the tiniest, tiniest amount of time because we actually bought between lockdowns. So we were buying in that situation where basically the houses came up and they went within <laughs> a day of them being put on the market. So we actually probably spent, I don't even know if it was 10 minutes deciding to buy that house. Right. Okay. So life changing decision in, yeah. in the blink of an eye in 10 minutes. Yeah. And the challenge that we face is uh okay you've been lucky I'm, I'm sure you love your house nice environment all the rest <laughs> yeah, of it, we're okay? happy with it we're good <laughs> but so many people make decisions important decisions like that and it's the wrong decision they 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 see a guy in a pub and they oh my god he's gorgeous i love him bang and you know that's it and the guy turns yeah. out to be a real dick mm -hmm. and then for whatever reason rather than just cutting the cord and letting go Oh, no, no, it must be my fault. It must be me. I must be doing something wrong. He's really so angry because I must have, I must have upset him. Yeah. And we kind of, we don't, 
look at the decision in a, in the light of day. Mm-hmm. And then we start looking for reasons why this isn't working right now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we put too much blame on ourselves. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, yes, you can make the future better right now, but you have to make better decisions. And mm-hmm. better decisions come from taking the time to make that decision. Now, I understand yeah, mm-hmm. the housing market, houses come and go really quickly in certain mm-hmm. circumstances. But I, mean, I guarantee you, Annette, that if you weren't buying in between lockdowns, you'd be taking a bit more time than we 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we would have done, definitely. Absolutely. And if you think about your husband, yeah, when you met him, I bet you any money you like, you took more than 10 minutes to decide before you are going to marry him, yeah? Yes. Yeah, a few years Absolutely. before I decided to marry yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people don't. Yeah. A lot of people don't make take the time to think about things. You know, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to quit my job because mm. I've had a row with the boss. I'm walking out, and that's it. You know, they have a row with the boss. They walk out. They take. The, they clear the desk and they're out. Mm. And it's oh shit, what do I do now? Yeah. And we're now we're in a really bad place because we've got no savings or very little savings, and we can't go for another job because you know we, we're not going to get a reference from the previous mm. employment. And what, what do I do? Yeah. I'll start a business. But we know nothing about business. We know no research. We know nothing about marketing or any of the other kind of stuff. And a year down the line, we've spent all our savings. We've got zero money. We're back to square one again. Yeah, completely. We must take responsibility for our lives. Once mm-hmm. you do that, things get better. Yeah. If you start to making better decisions, absolutely. Yeah, completely. <clears throat> what would you say to people who are um, – they understand all this, they get it, but they're stuck in that overwhelm. They're stuck in the, but I've got so much going on. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know. I, I, I'm i just stuck here because I suspect we have some people who are feeling that. They're like, yes, you know, logically I get this. However, like I'm here, I'm in this thing and I'm overwhelmed by it and I don't know what to do. And I, and they almost can't take a breath because they're just, they've got all these things spinning. Right, you just gave the answer there, and take a breath. <laughs> yeah. Take yeah. a breath. Serious, I'm not joking here, folks. Literally, sit down and take a breath, mm. a few deep breaths, yeah, and then start to look at where you are. Look at what isn't working. Look at what is working. I guarantee you that there will always be something that is working. You're still alive. You've still got a roof mm. over your head, yeah? You're still in a loving relationship, hopefully. You've still got people that you can turn to. For, there, are, there are still people in your corner, to use the boxing analogy again. Mm -hmm. You've still got people you can rely on. Then figure out what are you overwhelmed by? What is overwhelming you? Mm. Now, is it actually real? Now, I'm not being rude here. I just want you to kind of think about the situation. Are all these things you're overwhelmed by actually real, or are you making things up subconsciously Mm. for example oh my god i don't know what to do i've got this 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 and that are all those this is stuff that needs to be done right now and by you and by me yeah Mm -hmm. so the likelihood is no they don't have to be done right now i mean the classic example is sit down and make a list of all the stuff you're overwhelmed by that's what i do urgent important (laughs) and so on Mm. yeah but be honest Urgent means it has to be done today or the world will end. Mm. Yeah? Important means it's got to be done in the next couple of weeks yeah. and so on. And then you'll have a list of, okay, I've got 10 things that are really urgent, Paul. Now what I do? Okay, if they're really urgent, pick one of them Yeah. and get it sorted out. Just one, not 10. Mm-hmm. The other nine can wait. Pick one and get it sorted out. 
if that means writing a letter or making a phone call or whatever, do it. Mm -hmm. Then once that's done, move on to the next one. And even if you can't do all 10 urgent things in one day, it doesn't matter. You've done one or two or three of them. Mm. And then once you've got all the urgent things out of the way, start looking at your important list and keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Shallow breathing causes stress, causes tension, causes worry, causes anxiety. Take time out from social media. You know, uh, <laughs> if you have to be on social media for work, then go on there for work. Yes. Don't scroll. Because too many people say, I've got to be on social media for work. Okay, how much actual work did you do? 10 minutes? How long were you yeah. on social media for? Four hours. All yeah, right. you so, go on with uh, the intention of working and you end up in that doom scroll. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the thing is, people blame social media for an awful lot of things these mm. days. Social media is just a tool. Yeah. You know, think of a gun. A gun mm. is an inner object. It can mm -hmm. lie there for centuries and not do anything. It's only when person a person picks it up and does something bad with it that it becomes a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. And it's the same with social media. Yes, there are bad people out there. Yes, there are scammers. Yes, there mm -hmm. are troll farms and so on and so forth. But if you use see it as a tool and use it appropriately, then you're not going to fall foul and fall down that pit of uh, you know doom and gloom, that fit, pit mm -hmm. of overwhelm. Yeah. The same with the news. If you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is turn the radio on, listen to the news. Now, nah. if you have the news on all day long, one of these 24-hour news channels, no. Yes. Newspapers and TV news sell bad news because for some bizarre reason, that's what we thrive on. Yeah. We thrive on bad news. I think it might be there, but for the God go I kind of scenario, but who mm -hmm. knows? It might be the, the thrill-seeking. I mean, that wears off really quickly, so... Go on a news diet. Mm. I don't watch, I don't have a TV, but I don't watch the news. I have my phone and I will, you know, once a day spend two minutes looking at the headlines. Yeah, I do it. that too. That's exactly what I do. I just go on to BBC website once a day, have a look, check, check what's, there's nothing crazy happening and come back off again. Yeah, well, so the thing is, there's always a scandal. Yeah. Somebody's died. Uh, mm -hmm. somebody's done something horrible and there's mm -hmm. a war somewhere and there's a famine or something going on. All, yeah. Always, always, it's, it's always been the same. Even before social media, even before the TV, even before radio, even before newspapers, all this stuff was still happening. Mm. We just didn't get fed it 24-7. Yeah. I mean, you know, my parents got a TV. I mean, I was born in, I'm 61, so I was born in 1960. My parents got their first TV when I was about seven or eight, something like that, mm -hmm. yeah? Before that, they had a radio. And before that, when my kids were really, really, my, my parents were really young, mm. they didn't have access to the radio. Yeah. It was like, it's something for the grown-ups. Yes. And newspapers. Whereas now, kids have phones. Kids can mm -hmm. tune into social media and the news 24-7. Yeah. We have to start to... Okay, let me give you a better analogy. Christmas Day, most people pig out. They eat too much. They drink too much. And, you know, but most of Boxing Day, it's like, can't <laughs> move, can't mm. move. Well, I'll have some more food, please. Yes. And then what happens is the day after Boxing Day, the 27th or the 28th, depending on the time, you know, if it's a weekend or not, mm. you think, okay, I've got to get myself back into shape. So you start eating sensibly again. You cut down on the booze again. You might even go on that dreaded word diet for a few weeks just to try and get your your yeah. weight back to what it was beforehand. 
I would strongly suggest that you look at going on what I call a mental diet. Mm. And what I mean is getting rid of all the crap that you put into your brain. Just like we eat crappy food and donuts and chocolate and beer and God knows what else, yeah? Mm. We do the same mentally. We, we've got negative people around us and we spend time with them. We, we absorb this negative news. We, we see a fight in the street and we stop and watch it. Rather than calling 999 and walking on, we get fascinated mm. by the macabre. Yes. People watch yeah, people horror car, movies. Car crash on the motorway, isn't it? Where people yeah, slow down to the it's not the crash that causes a holdup because mm. they get cleared up pretty quickly. What causes a holdup is people slowing down to yeah. two miles an hour and going, oh, my yeah. God, look at that. Isn't that really bad? Yeah. And the emergency services get really pissed off with you because they just want you out of the way so they can mm. deal with it and move on. But no. So we have to go on a mental diet. That means limiting access to the news, limiting access. To, if you've got a lot of friends, a lot of them post loads of crap that scares you or worries you or just upsets you, did you know that you can unfollow them? You'll still remain friends using Facebook as an example. You can still un, you know, remain friends, be in contact with them, but you won't see the stuff they post. Yeah. You could curate your feed, and you can do that for all the various channels. The worst one is Twitter. But mm. with Twitter, again, you can unfollow people if you're on there. Yeah. You know, really put yourself on a mental diet. Look at your – you can actually make a list. Where do all this negative stuff come from? If you've got a partner who's very negative – who was always having a bad day at work and comes home really grumpy and pissed off and upset and all the rest of it, see if you can help them. Yeah. Or give them an hour or two to simmer down from the work mm. and, you know, let them kind of normalize before you interact with them. Figure out yeah. ways you can do things. We must, must, must limit the amount of negative input because mm. that stuff is like, you know, if you eat chocolate all day long, if you eat cake all day long, if you consume bags and bags of sugar all day long, eventually your body gets clogged up. And, you know, we have problems with the heart, the liver, the kidneys, the lungs and everything. Yeah. It's the same with the brain. Yeah. If we start filling it with negative crap, we start to have a negative outlook on life. Oh, you know what? Don't know why I'm bothered. It's never going to work out. Mm -hmm. This is why so many people set goals and they don't achieve them because their expectation is, I'm never going to get there. I'll never yeah. do it. I'll never make it. Oh, it, it won't work out. I might make a bit of money from it, but, you know, it won't be brilliant. So we have the thing that we want, and then we have the expectation. But our expectations don't match what we want. And mm -hmm. so we never get it. What yeah. we need to do is to reduce the amount of negative input. And if you can't think of positive stuff, and I'm not talking toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I've got to be up and high and happy all day long, 24-7. No, that's ridiculous. I'm talking about, you know, removing as much of the negativity from our lives as possible. Then you can move forward. Then the overwhelm will start to drop down because you'll see things for what they really are, just stuff that needs to be dealt with or stuff that can just be ignored, forgotten, put to one side. Yeah. Because overwhelm a lot of the time is looking at everything and think, oh, my God, I've got to do it all. Well, you don't. Nobody says you have to. Yeah. The, it, you know, I, I write this often on, on my social media. We have one life. It's not a buy one, get one free. It's not a seven-day trial. It's not, you know, like try it now for 30 days and uh, pay later. Don't you need your credit card? It's not that. This is it. This yeah. is it. And if, if you're miserable, if you're upset, if you're pissed off, if you're overwhelmed, just ask yourself this. Do I really want to spend the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years feeling this way? What do I really want to get, you know, more bang for my bucks? 
Mm. It's a choice. It is a choice. Talking about right back to start this conversation about taking responsibility, yeah. deciding what you want, and then going for it with the right kind of expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, you know, even if those negative messages are coming from family, friends, working out a way to actually dampen those down a little bit. Somebody once recommended to me, actually, that if somebody in your household is coming in from a job that they're very stressed about and they're kind of, you know, they're, they're very negative about is to give them what they call transition time when they come into the household, whether that be that that person, you know, goes for a run for half an hour before they interact with the household or whether they go and sit in a bath for 10 minutes or whatever it is, something that helps transition them from the stresses of their day into basically becoming a functioning member of the household and the family mm. so that they don't pool all that stuff and and kind of for want of a better word vomit it onto the rest of the family now that's such an, an important point there's a story that i tell there's a medical conference one of these things that all the doctors go to once a year or every couple mm. of years something like that and it's really busy and there's this one space left to this next to this really really old looking guy and it's a young doctor just you know qualified a couple of years and he goes and sits next to this really old doctor who's probably in his 70s or 80s mm -hmm. and in the break they start chatting and the young guy talks to the 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 older doctor and you know i've been in practice for 56 years and the young guy you look amazing you know i mean most of the doctors of your kind of age have either retired by now or they're kind of really hunched over and really mm -hmm. no no he says, how do you find it? And the young doctor goes, you know what? I find it really, really stressful. I come home and I don't want to be with the kids. I don't want to be the wife. I'm really angry, really depressive, really, you know, and I'm drinking too much and I'm putting on weight. I don't know what to do. And the, the old doctor goes, have you got room downstairs in your house for a shower? And the doctor looks at him and goes, what? No, no, just, just answer the question. Do you have room downstairs by your front door to put a you know, for a little showering. And the young doctor goes, yeah, I could do. So, okay, have a shower installed downstairs, and this is what you do. Every single night you come home from work, or it's a, don't say hi to anybody, don't pat the dog, don't say hi to kids. You open your door, walk into the shower, take your clothes off and get in the shower and scrub yourself down. And as you're scrubbing yourself down, I want you to imagine all the bad news you've had to give people all the negative grief you've been given by your patients, all the, the cancer treatments, and all the stuff that hasn't worked, all that stuff, I want you to imagine it washing away down the plug hole. Yeah, all the negativity you've had to absorb in a day, imagine it just, and literally picture this happening, the soap and the water going down the plug hole, that's the stuff you've had to deal with. Then get dressed in fresh clothes and go and be with your family. So he's okay. Well, that's a bit weird, but I'll try that. Two years later, they meet again at another conference, and the young doctor's looking fresher, looking happier, looking really bright, smiley. And there's two spaces, and he sits next to the old doctor. He goes, oh, oh God, yeah, thank you so much. It's amazing. Another doctor, young doctor, comes in, and she looks at these two guys. She goes, Oh my God, how how do you do it? And the young guy tells, introduces this other doctor to the senior doctor. This is what we need to do. If you're in a relationship with someone that you love deeply and they are still able to listen to you, then what you just said, Anna, is get them to come home and physically take a shower. Mm. If they can't take a shower, get them to grab the dog and take the dog for a walk. 
or get them to go out for a walk or get out on the bike or go and do something where they can picture the day at work washing away so they yeah. come back fresh yeah. and it actually works our imagination is so powerful it's, it's an amazing if you think about it everything this microphone the internet stream yard the clothes you're wearing the glasses we're both wearing mm. the lights in the rooms every single thing the chairs were sitting on everything started off as an idea in somebody's mind mm. a piece of a figment of somebody's imagination and then they got a pen and a bit of paper yeah and they drew a picture and they came up with an idea don't forget, like I said, I'm, I was born in 1960. The internet wasn't even a figment of somebody's mm. imagination back in 1960. Computers were still the size of rooms. Mm. And then for a long the time idea. after that, they mm. were still the size of rooms. I mean, and I mean, there's a there's the old um, cliche about the the MD of one of the big firms. I can't remember which one it is now. Mm. It might be Hewlett Packard, for example. Mm. And somebody said to him, do you think personal computers will take off? He said, no, no, no. Who the hell is going to want a personal computer yeah. in their own home? Yeah. Who wants that in their house, yeah. Who wants that in their Crazy. house? And this is a true story. He could not imagine yeah. people, the uses for personal computers. And now we have things significantly more powerful than that in the palms of our hands. Oh, God, I mean, again, another cliche, but this has more power in it than the entire computing capacity mm. that used to send people to the moon. Yeah, it's insane. That is scary. It? Yeah, and what do we do? We look at pictures of cats <laughs> and read bad news stories on mm. them for the most part. Yeah, it's about taking responsibility and it's about detoxing yourself. And look, this is a really hard thing to say, but if you're with someone who is a toxic person in the sense that they're just pouring out negativity all the time, then I hate to say it, but if they're not prepared to listen, you've got to distance yourself, distance yourself from them, whether that's family members, friends, and even if it's your significant other. If they are, a, you know, a Debbie Downer or a, a Dan Depressed, you know, mm. kind of thing, you've got to make a choice. You've got to take responsibility. Because if that person is bringing you down 24-7-365, is this the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, particularly mm. – if they're not prepared to accept they need help to make changes. If they are, then you can do stuff, like we said, about the shower or going for a run or changing their viewpoint. Mm. But if they're not, family members you can avoid. Yes. Now, if you've got an uncle or a mum mm. or a dad or a brother or sister that are just real pains in the backside, you see them once at Christmas. And even then, you spend you limit the amount of time you spend with them. But if it's you know a work colleague, again, you can do what you need to do to spend the minimum amount of time with them. But if it's a significant other, then you've got a you've got to make a choice. Yeah, and do I think you want also, to be miserable. I was just gonna say, I think people also need to think: Do you have anyone that works for you that is that type of person as well? So if you're running a business and you have some people that are working for you that are in this position, then what can you do to support them? Or do you need to transition them out of the business because they're pulling others down with them? Absolutely. Everybody has the shop steward, the kind of person that doesn't want to do any work and wants to put everybody down around them. Mm. It's not a good Same as the person who wants to be positive 24 7, 3, 6, 5. Mm. There, there, are, there are two extremes. We all have good days. We all have bad days. What we want are people that have more good days than bad. 
And yeah. this is what we need to be kind of screening for when we interview people. And again, the problem we have is when we interview people, especially if you're a small business, you might spend half an hour, an hour with that person before you pick them. Perhaps less. Maybe even less. Yeah. What you need to do is you need to have a process whereby you say, look, we've got a three month review or a one month review or a two week review, whatever it is you can handle where you look at that person because nobody can be on their best behavior for a month. Their real traits are going to sneak out. And then you've got to be, you've got to be really kind of bossy with yourself and say, you know what, Paul, this person just isn't a good fit. I'm going to have to let them go out for three months. Yeah, and that hard. can be really difficult easy. as well because you've trained them and they've kind of met everyone. And for something what might that might seem as simple as a slightly negative attitude, you might think, gosh, is it worth going through that hiring process again? But actually, this is the kind of thing that seeps throughout your organization. I, I hate to use this word, but it's like a negativity is like a virus. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what, it's like a, like a like mold. If you get a, a mm. barrel of apples yeah. and you get an apple with one tiny little bit of mold in it and you place it on the top very gently on top of that barrel of apples, within a few weeks, every single apple in that barrel will be spoiled. Yeah. And it's the same with negativity. You know, you let negativity seep in and before you know it, it's everywhere. And mm. yes, it's a difficult thing to do. Yes, it's hard to let people go. Yes, you think, oh my God, I've spent you know two weeks, three weeks, whatever with this person. So what we need to think about is, can I have, is there a better way for me to screen people? Yeah. Can, can we I identify them in for two at the days? Very Yeah. Can I interview them and then bring them in for a couple of days to see mm -hmm. how they get on with people just to give me an idea? Mm -hmm. And if you've got the slightest doubt, then you say, oh, I'm really sorry, it's not going to work out for us. Yeah. Even if they are the hardest worker on the planet, if they are always, you know what, uh, my cup is always half empty kind of thing, then mm -hmm. you don't want that person working with us. It's just... It's not healthy is the best way to say it. It's like those yeah. people that are martyrs to the cause and they will come to work despite the fact that they are on death's door. They've got the flu. Yeah. And, it's okay. I'll manage. I'll be okay. Yeah. It's all right. It's okay. I'll be fine. I'll just sit here by my computer. They've been in the office two minutes. Now they've infected everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so everybody's going to go off sick with the flu. But no, it's okay. I'm a martyr to the cause. You don't mm -hmm. want either kind of extreme. Yeah. This this is a thing you got. It's not easy. I get it. This is why people spend a fortune on HR mm. because you know good HR people can pick out this because when they're picking out people for jobs, it's not where they can do the job because that can be they, trained. Yeah, that can be trained, and they can suss that out in five minutes mm. whether the person can do the job or not. That's not what they're after. Mm. Good HR people are out after that thing. Are they going to contribute to the business? Mm -hmm. Are they going to add? Are they going to bring more than they take? Mm -hmm. And particularly, we're talking about kind of attitude. Yeah. Are they kind of like a can do or it's impossible? And that's the thing. When we're all the same, we mm -hmm. are all the same. Whether you're working for yourself, whether you've got one, two, 10, or 100 employees, you know, whether you're in a house full of friends and family or there's just you, we have to decide how we want to live our lives. Yeah. Who we want and to be with, who we don't want to be with. And part of that is taking responsibility, like we mentioned, for, for our lives and for our position and, and therefore for our future. Yeah, everything. Every, we have to take responsibility for every single decision we make. And that goes you know, right down to, I hired this person. This person's a real pain in the ass and I need to get rid of them.
and that's that's the thing you, you need to take responsibility okay i made a bad decision i hired paul he's not a good fit so mm. i need to sit down with paul see if i can make him a good fit or actually there's nothing i can do to make him a good fit i've got to let him go yeah life is a challenge and i can't remember the, the exact quote now life doesn't get easier you get stronger mm, i like that and it's true because you know, from day one through to the day you die, we we face challenges. It's not like, you know, okay, my life is perfect now. It's, it's, it's really flowing. It's really, no, your best friend might pass away. You might mm. get knocked over by a car. You might have a really serious illness. Your, your business might, despite your best efforts, your business mm. might fail. The yeah. challenges hit us all the time. But what happens in life is if you take responsibility, start making better decisions, you start being better able to deal with the stuff that life throws at you. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about. It's like if you kind of stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend nothing's happening, fight, flight, or freeze again, mm. yeah, you're not going anywhere. Whereas yeah. if you go, you know what, I love my life, I love what I'm doing, I'm going to do the best I can, and whatever happens, you deal with it in the best way possible. So it's mm. not that you get, you know, you just get stronger, you become a better person. Yeah, so this taps into resilience then as well overall. Oh, my God. Resilience, for me, the first step in resilience is, is the R word, is responsibility. Mm. You cannot be a resilient person if you don't take responsibility. If you keep blaming everybody else, how can you be resilient? How yeah. can you kind of like, how can you man up? Yeah. If you keep sticking your head in the sand all the time? How yeah. can you kind of face what's coming at you? How can you deal with a challenging situation if you don't go, you know what, it's just another situation? Yeah. I'll deal with it. You know, I've been fired before. I've been ill before. I've faced challenges before. It's just another challenge. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll deal with it. Whereas people go, oh, my God, no, it's too much. I can't deal with it. What am I going to do? It's never happened to me before. Mm. Okay, it may never happen to you before, but it's still a challenge. Challenges yeah. have solutions. Challenges have ways around. Challenges have things you can do to overcome them. Or if you can't overcome it, you can get through it. Mm. I mean, what's that phrase? Uh this too shall pass. Yes. This too shall pass. Every single situation that we find ourselves in is temporary. Now, mm -hmm. temporary might be five minutes, might be five hours, might be five years, but it's still temporary. Yeah. There's an end inside. Yeah. There's an end in some way, shape, or form. What do people say? It's you've, you've already survived all of your worst days so far. Yeah, you're still here. You're still here, exactly. <laughs> if you're still here, you're doing something right. Exactly. Yeah, you're, and if you're still smiling, you're doing even uh, even more right, but that's ridiculous. Mm. You're doing better than you were doing. If you're able to face stuff and put a smile on your face most of the time, then you're doing better than you were doing five years ago. I mean, yeah, I, I certainly am. I used to be a real Debbie Downer five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, I've had depression. I've tried to kill myself three mm. times in my life and... I've been in really, really, really dark places, but not anymore. Because yeah. yeah. finally, I kind of, there's a, a phrase, which is a bit of a cliche, light at the end of the tunnel. But ask mm. yourself this question, where is the light at the end of my tunnel? Mm. If you yeah. don't know, if you don't know, then you need to figure that out. Because if you don't know where the light at the end of the tunnel is, how do you know where you're going? How do you know where you want to be? How do you know what you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Figure that out, and then you're nine-tenths of the way of sorting out every single challenge in your life. If you know where the light at the end of your tunnel is, absolutely. 
Yeah, I think that's an I think that's um, an amazing thing for people to think about the light at the end of their tunnel. And I also think you know that that sort of smiling more days that comes back and links us nicely into that whole mental diet, doesn't it? The positivity, having the right messages that you are consuming, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. We have our emotions for a reason. If somebody close to you dies or has an accident mm. or it is taken gravely ill, that is not the time to go, ah, yeah, I'm really happy and blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah, Sadness, you want to be sad. You want to grieve. You want well, to be not upset. The well, I disagree. It's not that you want to be sad. It's just that mm. sadness is probably yeah. the appropriate response yes. at that time. Grief is probably the appropriate response at that time. Because, yeah, you feel sad that your friend or your partner is suffering. And that hurts, mm -hmm. you, especially when you think, oh my God, I can't do anything to help them. I am unable to help this person who is struggling so much. And that hurts, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's the appropriate kind of response to have. Yeah, Not, oh, look, they're really suffering. I feel great anyway. Well, that's mm -hmm. ridiculous. That's, that is, that's what's called toxic positivity. And yeah. it's, it's unnatural, it's unnecessary, and it's unneeded. Emotions are there for anger is an emotion. Anger is very helpful when it's used in the right kind of circumstance. When we have problems with anger is when anger is the prevalent emotion. Yeah. When your response to everything is to get angry. That's mm. not right. You know, yeah. emotions are there to help us deal with things. That's why we evolved with emotions. If you think about it, mm. nature is brilliant. Nature is amazing. And nature has equipped us with these emotions to deal with life. You know, sadness, anger, fear, envy, jealousy, all this kind of stuff, they're there for reasons. And mm. when used appropriately in the right circumstances, they're incredibly helpful. But when the challenge is when we don't use them or when we misappropriate them, if that's the right word, when we put them in the wrong places at the wrong time. Yeah, amazing. Um, Paul, I feel like I could talk to you for the next four hours on these Oh, topics. yeah, I, I can go for four hours if you like, no problem. <laughs> Because it is it truly fascinating. I think that um, I'm sure our watchers and our listeners, when we put this onto the podcast, will have had huge amounts of value from listening to this. I'm certainly going to review my mental diet. I think it's probably something that's important to review regularly in our lives because um, it does have an impact on, on us as humans, on us as business owners, on us as spouses and partners and wives and husbands and friends and daughters and sons and aunts and uncles and all the things in all the areas. Um, so I think that's incredibly, incredibly important as well. Um, Paul, tell our listeners and watchers where people can find out more about you, how they can connect with you. Everywhere. I am omnipotent. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Paul Wilson coaching or Paul Wilson coach, some kind of variation of that. I'm sure you have show notes and we can yeah, we'll pop all the links in there. Yeah, we will. We'll pop all the links in the show notes so people can connect with you. Thank you so much again for coming on, Paul. I highly appreciate your time. And um, as I say, this has been incredible. I have loved this conversation and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed myself today. Amazing. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to Financial and Lifestyle Freedom today. Do remember to subscribe to this podcast and take just a few seconds to leave us a review. It helps other people find us as well and lets them know what you enjoy in the podcast. All the links that we've spoken about are in the description to this episode, as is the link to find out more about us on our website and also book a call with us should you be interested in any of our services. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time.